This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Talking about chicken a la king. Mango and garbanzo tabouli. Potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil. Zucchini ziti. Granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Guys, welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My guest today, one of my favorite comedians, this guy makes me laugh so hard. His character work is incredible, and his Instagram account is one I check often for updates. Uh, he's been in Everything Everywhere All at Once, Shameless, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Grand Crew, Veep, and more. Please welcome the very funny Payam Banifaz. My man, thank you for having me. And thank you for that beautiful, beautiful uh, intro. Thank you so much. Benny Fuzz or Benny Faz? Did I mess it up? No, it's it's weird. So, like, my name technically has an L at the end of it. Because even though I'm Iranian, my last name is technically Arabic. So, it's actually pronounced Benny Fazl. But I took the L off because it's so hard for most people to pronounce. So, now it's just yeah. Benny Faz. Yeah. 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 Hey, man. Uh, take back the uh, Arab colonization of Iran. Take that L out. Yeah, that was the main reason I did it for the for the Arab colonization of Iran. But no, <laughs> and second because I was sick of my teachers in like second grade say Bonnie Fazel Fazel. Yeah, uh, that's tough. A, a that lingering is tough. L is is tough. Definitely, it is. the lingering L. That's exactly what it is. Actually, it's interesting because my I have a Persian last name that is Hebrew, but is only a Persian last name. Like no one has ah, dude. Like no one in in Israel or whatever has that last name. And you have an Arabic last name, which is very Persian. So we have something in common where we're both Persians, but we don't technically have Persian names. No, we don't. Apparently, my dad's dad went from the small city he was in Iran to like Tehran or whatever, or I think a bigger city in Iran. And he was trying to get like what their equivalent to a social security card was. Yeah. And back in the days, some Iranians didn't have last names. Their last name was the village that they grew up in or the town they grew up in. So he didn't have a last name. And they're like, bro, you got to have a last name to get one of these. So he just right there just like came up with a last name, Banifaz, which I guess it means like child of knowledge or something like that. So he like got like cute with it. So then that's what it was. So it's not even a real last name. That's why I've never met another Iranian with my last name because it's like it's just a made up name. I wonder if I could pick my last name, what I would go with. Uh, Child of knowledge is way classier than what I would go with. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, uh, you know, hung a family of, of men hung like donkeys, you know, something like that. But that's more helpful. Child that's of wisdom is not sexy. Someone that's hung like a donkey, that's pure sex. <laughs> that's pure sex. That's scary, too. Speaking of pure sex and also scary, let's take a look at your fridge. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can see Payam's fridge on my Instagram at standupdan. Well, I don't know what to say, except for this, you know, might be the worst fridge in Green Eggs and Dan history. I've been doing this 
hundreds of episodes of the podcast. Now, I highly encourage everyone here to go. Normally, I'm like, don't worry. You don't have to go to the Instagram. I'll explain the fridge. You guys need to go and see this fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDan. There's a reason that I think this might be one of the worst fridges ever because we've had empty fridges before. We've had sad fridges before. But they usually don't come in such nice fridges. This is a fridge with potential that you are just robbing. This is a beautiful refrigerator with the double doors opening up, inviting me, giving me a hug. The beautiful pull-out freezer on the bottom. I'm looking at your cabinetry. I can tell that it's high-end. Uh, the the it's a very glossy color, a nicely glossy uh, slate color. This is a classy kitchen, a classy fridge. I'm looking at the hardwood floors. The potential for a wonderful fridge here is so high, and yet the th- contents of this fridge could fit into half of a college fridge. Yep. What say you? What say you? I'm going to throw myself to the mercy of the court. Uh, I'm ashamed. Uh, if, if I could just say one thing is, unfortunately, I don't cook much at home. I think a lot of it comes from laziness. Like it comes from the I hate the the preparation before cooking. And I don't like the cleanup after cooking. The cooking and the eating part is cool. I like that. But everything else I get kind of lazy doing. I also had like a bowl of fruit in there that I ate half of it and didn't eat the rest of the half. And then I just kind of left it there. You can't see it because I had to clean the whole thing. And then basically just developed this like syrup that just leaked into the rest of the fridge and just kind of sat there. And mm. so I actually have to, had to take out a bunch of other products that were already in there that were saturated with that old fruit juice. Um, ah, so you're blaming it on the fruit syrup. And my own stupidity. I shouldn't have left it in there that long without eating it. I mean, fruit rots, whether it's in the fridge or whether it's, you know, anywhere fruit is, it rots. So you're telling me, to make matters worse, this was in your defense, was that the reason that it's so bare, one of the reasons, is that there was rotting fruit inside of this fridge that has three things in it. One of those things was a rotting bowl of fruit. Uh, yes. So there was more stuff in the center there, as you can see, in the middle but I can't lie. There was nothing on top and there was nothing on bottom. Uh, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words and all those words is I'm a bum. Uh, also, but I would like to say, if you see those packages, those are fresh pistachios straight from Iran. And we refrigerate them because I was told to. I don't even know if that's a good thing to do or not, but I always refrigerate these like pistachios and almonds and stuff from Iran because my aunt's like, hey, put these in the fridge and just keep them in the fridge. Okay, well, Uh, that for sure sounds like uh, immigrant uh, false talk, which is like, you You don't put them in the fridge. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure your aunt knows better than I do, but I just know being a child of immigrants, they put a lot of weird shit in the fridge. You know, like my mom puts her saffron in the fridge. She puts batteries in the fridge. I've heard Uh, about that, batteries. She used to put film, camera film, in the fridge. Interesting. Uh, My mom puts chocolate in the fridge. Chocolate in the fridge is another one. Uh, My mom uh, has, she stores her Swiffer in the fridge. Interesting. It it helps with the cleanup. 
Interesting. To keep it cool. Toilet bowl cleaner. Wait. Toilet bowl cleaner is on the top shelf. Of she the fridge? Of the fridge. She says the top shelf is colder. It keeps the toilet bowl cleaner a little more stiff. It helps clean clean the toilet a little better. Uh, okay. So whatever you put in the fridge, it keeps it stiff. Immigrant wisdom. Immigrant wisdom. Some of it is true and some of it is just somebody somewhere pulled it out of their ass and everyone just said, okay, we'll go with this. And then they never questioned it. I hope you know that I'm joking about the toilet bowl cleaner because you went, you just glossed over it like it's a real thing. And I don't want that to spread. I don't want you to go get off this podcast and be like, Dan's mom puts the toilet bowl cleaner in the fridge. Honestly, bro, my first thought was like, that's a little weird, but also like, who am I to say, you know, maybe your mom knows something I don't. She did, you know, raise children, come to another country, go through a lot of shit. So I was like, if this poor woman wants to put that cleaner in there, she that's on her. Let her do it. And nobody better say a damn word about it. I got her back. Oh, my God. Again, a PSA. Do not put your toilet bowl cleaner in the fridge. I just want to be clear. Um, pistachios, I can give or take. But I, I, I will say the fact that. 50% of your fridge is things that most people don't put in the fridge is also very telling here. So you've got a bag of Persian pistachios on the bottom row, and you've got yeah. a bag of Persian pistachios on the middle row. Yeah. You and then that other out. one, that other package that looks like it could be a bomb is just more pistachios. No, it's not. I swear it is. <laughs> but that one... <laughs> So, like, just for your audiences, when you're coming from Iran and you bring pistachios to the U.S., technically you're not allowed to do that. Like, like U.S. Customs, especially in L.A., they have been taught to, like, directly ask you when you're coming from Iran, hey, do you have seeds or fucking pistachios? And if you do, you have to throw them out for, like, agricultural whatever reasons. Yeah. So, a lot of times people, they'll package it in certain ways, stuff it at the bottom of their shit so that they don't get caught with it. Um, it's Yeah, so you know, I, I will, like for heroin. the listeners... The pistachio, the third exhibit C of pistachios is in a bubble wrap package. It's it's surrounded in bubble wrap in the fridge. <laughs> so, so the pistachios don't break. That's that's the thing. You don't want them to break. It's because they've been in the fridge for so long. Now they're just like glass. Um, what is it about I, Persian pistachios, by the way? They're very, very far superior to uh, the pistachios that we get in America. I don't know why. I don't know what the breed is. In fact, I'm going to write that down because that I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to make that the, uh, the interstitial that we do before going to commercial break. I do a fun fact about something. Persian pistachios and Persian raisins are a different animal completely. Pistachios for sure. Raisins, I'm, I've always been lukewarm on raisins in general. It just feels like such an unrefreshing thing to put in your mouth. But like... Uh, pistachios, from what I hear, like people say it's the water or the soil or like something like that. Or maybe like you said, it's the particular species of pistachio, but they're always bigger and just like tastier and like more flavorful. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I want, if it's the water, that's funny. It's like, it's kind of like New Yorkers with their bagels. They're like, it's the water. That's what does it. It's the Persian water. It makes those perfect pistachios. Mm. Um, the raisins, the Persian raisins to me are like, much smaller they're like long and thin and they are so flavorful without being like cloyingly sweet like i think the stuff that we get here is like very very sweet and juicy and those are a lot drier like you said like it's the opposite of refreshing yeah it is like it is like uh you're chewing on uh 
on an uh, like like the, like they feel like they've been sitting in an old man's pocket for a long time in a good way. In a, the, the the Iranian ones in a good way. Yes. And then the American ones, it feels like they've been sort of just trapped in an old man's nutsack for weeks. And yes. lost all Jew. It, it's crazy. Grape is, for me, it's cold grape especially, so refreshing. Raisin, it's like it just sucks the moisture out of your body. <laughs> no offense if anybody out there likes raisins. More power. Also, um, more power to the Persian man who's got the Persian old man who has the nutsack that is, that is life-giving to the grapes. That, you know, it's like good on you. Yeah, I meant it as a negative if stuck in the old Persian man nutsack. But if that's going to also feed the raisins and get them to to a, a tastier place, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't – you know what? It's the same thing with prunes, raisins, prunes, all these dried fruits. It's like the fun of a fruit is the refreshment of it. And when you dry it, sure, it lasts longer, but it's like it loses its sexiness. Yes, um, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm wondering though, there, are there some fruits that are better dry than fresh? Like, I do think a plum dates. is better than a prune. Definitely, dates. I fresh dates are like whatever to me. But like a nice, the, there is like the the kind of dates. I don't know what kind of dates there, but like you get into like an Iranian sort of like market here in LA. They're always really big and thick and sweet. Those yeah. I like, but I don't like the smaller ones. I don't know what the smaller ones are called, but they're like not as soft. Yeah, I actually love fresh dates. I know it's kind of polarizing and most of the listeners has probably never had them, but they actually, you can find fresh dates sometimes. They're like yellow. Uh, they are um, very hard to bite into and almost have a crunch to them, but they are, in my opinion, like they're way less sweet than a date, but they still have that date flavor. I love them. Do you ever cook with them? No. I would, a- I would ask you if you've ever cooked with them too, but I'm assuming the answer to that, based on your fridge full of pistachios, is no. No, but here's the crazy thing. I've never cooked with pistachios either. <laughs> I just keep them in case somebody wants to come over and, and I can give them like a parting gift. Right. It's like... <laughs> A uh, friend comes by, hey, take one of these home with you. It's kind of like a gift bag, but it's just a bag full of pistachios that are very cold by now. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they're still great. So let's go to the top row now. Right. Um, there is a huge glass jar of uh, something pickling, I'm assuming. It's is, it like, pickled, is it pickled pistachios? N- no, that would be just awful. Uh, these are pickled uh, cucumbers, carrots, and cauliflower. And you pickle them yourself? Uh, no, my aunt gave this to me, like literally a year ago. Your aunt like, has a lot of say in your fridge, is what I'm. This, what I'm hearing. It's a different aunt. I have many aunts, and I have four aunts. Each of them is kind of like a mom to me. They're very giving to me. So one gave me the pickles. The other one gave me pistachios. And the other one also gave me pistachios way before that. So which one gave you the uh, the half of a Tabasco bottle? <laughs> That was my aunt Ralph's. I went to Ralph's and got that. Uh, but I love pistachio. I mean, I love uh, what is it? I love Tabasco. Tabasco with pistachios. No, you don't do that together. No, no, that sounds disgusting too. But I do like Tabasco sauce on popcorn. Really? Butter, real butter, not the, the disgusting stuff that comes with with the popcorn. Like regular bu- popcorn. Put regular butter in it, salt, and a little bit of Tabasco sauce, and you're ready for. Sex. 
It's aphrodisiac. Wow. Yeah, it's aphrodisiac. No, it's <laughs> that, delicious. Though. Um, I that sounds really good. Actually, I wanted to make fun of it a little bit, but it's almost like like you know, butter and hot sauce is kind of like a buffalo wing sauce. So it's almost like a buffalo popcorn. Yeah, there you That's go. That's kind of okay. fun. I, I do. Like I don't hate that idea. Um, did your grandma, your grandma, did your aunt make these uh, pickles herself? She did. I think it was just literally vegetables, salt, some spices, and vinegar. Red that vinegar. doesn't look like traditional Persian pickles. It doesn't it's look not. like traditional. It was her like, own recipe. It was her own like recipe thing. Interesting. Um, in Farsi, we have that thing. It's like we call it shur here. I forgot what you call it. It's kind of like you'll see it like, like Greeks eat it too, where it's just like pickled, like carrot, pickle cauliflower and it's yeah. like that but it's like homemade yeah uh persian torshi to me is like persian pickles are like one of the best condiments uh, that you can ever have they're fantastic and they're basically like regular pickles but the pickling liquid has a lot of of spices not not hot spices but there's like cumin there's coriander there's all this fun stuff so and much so more it, sour and flavorful yeah it's, it's very fragrant it's it's yeah. and there's a lot of like herbs in it too so it has like yeah. this kind of greenish hue bay leaves um, and all that stuff oh, bay leaves and all that shit you know what i'm talking bay about leaves and all that fucking crap that people eat <laughs> by the way uh just to go back on the dates can we go back to the dates for one second yeah i was just in dubai and th- my buddy there was telling me he's like dude you got to try the dates here they are called Batil dates. They're from Saudi Arabia. Like, you've never had anything in your life like them. And I was like, how good can a date be? It's a date. Who cares about dates? And these dates were about $1.50 a date. Like, they yeah. come in a little, like a, like a very sweet little box, like, like, a, like how you would normally get, like, fancy Godiva or Toysha or, like, chocolate truffles. Like, they come like that with a little packaging, each individual. And I took a bite of this thing, very cynical. Long story short, I brought 200 dates back to America with me. At $1.50 each? Well, I got gifted a bunch of them for the show that I did. Um, but I paid good money for a lot of the dates. I got extra dates. They're so expensive, and they're like nothing I've ever tasted in my life. I don't know what the water's like in Saudi Arabia, but man, they got a, that, that MBS. MBS, yes, there's a lot of issues with him, but man, does that does that guy know how to how to slang a date? Man, sure he might murder a journalist in an embassy, but you know what? When you try these dates, you're like, I I don't know if I could. This guy seems to have the right instincts. You, so if I try the dates, I'm like, maybe that journalist had it coming to him. You know, because <laughs> anyone that, that can make good. <laughs> Wait, so next time you go there, just get paid in dates. I know. I I think in Dubai, I think that's like a thing. They'll be like, uh, I I give you batil dates, and uh, I was gonna say and a lamb, but they're like they're not like these guys are from the future. The uh, the uh, the the Emiratis. It's like it's like a it's like a crazy like blown up version of Vegas or something, right? Like I've never been there, but it looks like I, I don't know. It, it just looks like. Vegas times a thousand. I think so. I, you know, I thought that before I went, and after I went, I don't know that that's a good comparison because there is so much like commerce around there, and there's like so much business going on from all over the world that it's almost like I don't know. It's uh, 
it's a really cosmopolitan city and it just people just go there to make lots of money. So it's like hyper capitalist like that. But then the Emiratis, if you were born as an Emirati, you're automatically you're set. You're making a, a you're going to be making a million dollars a year doing nothing basically. So it's like hyper communism for the locals and then hyper capitalism for the foreigners. And somehow it all it all works really well. I kind of loved it there. Wait, if you're born there, like the the government just takes care of you? Oh, Basically. if you marry if you marry another Emirati, the government gives you like a five million dollar home. If you go to college in America, the government pays for your whole uh, education. Um, wow. It's pretty insane, and you can and anytime someone a foreigner starts a company in Dubai, um, they need to hire X amount of Emiratis. So like you're gainfully employed and you're making money. Like they they will ensure that you're making enough money and you know if you if you're not getting enough from the company they will subsidize that like it's it's communism that works <laughs> it's like the only place where communism works uh i wonder if it's possible just pretend you're emirati and go, go there and pretend you're an emirati yeah put on put on the outfit and just go there and be like yo where's my house <laughs> like what's the are people really religious there are like is is because i know alcohol is legal there but i heard like a lot of people don't drink there because because you know, because of their religion. Yeah, the Emiratis are pro- are are definitely a little more religious. They don't seem as religious as you know. Like they're okay with like women walking around with the, like skimpy whatever. Like it's funny because it's like we think about Iran where they have the most strict you know codes of like religion, and those people are probably the most secular of anyone in the middle east they are just like held hostage by it's like a handmaid's tale situation there held held hostage that's i think that's the best way to describe it yeah like the Um, people of iran are truly held hostage and uh so is the entire iranian culture that's it's like that's why i get so happy like let's say here in la we have a lot of persian restaurants and when i go to an iranian restaurant and i see non-iranians there always makes me happy i'm like oh i feel like culture is like spreading out a little bit because if you're from the Middle East, post 9-11, everything went to shit for you. Like the first yeah. decade after 9-11, I saw such a change in the way American culture looks at Middle Easterners in general. And it doesn't matter if you're from Iraq or Saudi Arabia or Iran or Israel even. Like people just look at that region with this like skepticism. And it's like okay to look down on the Middle East. It's right. like it's okay to not respect Middle Eastern for some because they've looked at us as the as – the, uh, as the enemies for so long that it's almost been okay in this culture, even till now today to just not give a shit about the Middle East. So yeah. I love when I see like, like non-Iranians, like, you know, enjoying aspects of our culture. It's truly makes me happy. I got to tell you something really fun that happened in Dubai is I went to a Persian restaurant, you know, they're like, Iran is right across the water. Right. And so there's a lot of Iranians there. And yeah. I went to a Persian kebab place and they found out that I was American and American Iranian, and they were so thrilled that uh, that I was there. That that uh, again, nothing to do with the Dana Dude Food Podcast. This not, just like that, an American Iranian went out because it was a little off the beaten path. It wasn't like on the strip. <laughs> um, they were so thrilled. They didn't charge me for the whole meal. Me and my two friends. They did. They wouldn't charge us money. That's fucking cool. They were like, no, no, you know, please, please. And I'm like, no, 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 come on. And this went on for five minutes. Like, they meant it. They were like, we're not going to take your money. Like, we're just happy that you came here. And, I mean, we obviously ended up giving them a big tip. But it was, it was like, 
it was so nice to see that Persian culture, which is like one of the most inviting cultures and one of the most generous Truly. cultures, uh, which again makes it even more of a shame that what we see on TV and how that poor culture has been taken hostage is like the complete opposite. Absolutely. Um, but I, I was like, it, it really touched my heart. And the kebabs there, I will say, were far superior to what we have here. They have like a bunch of different weird regional kebabs that they had. Like, there was something from northern Iran called kebab torsht, which is like a kebab that's like marinated in uh, like a pomegranate molasses and uh, limu omani, which is like a dry, yeah, dried, dried lime. limes. Yeah. And it was like a sour kebab, which sounds kind of weird, but man, it was so interesting and cool. Uh, yeah, they, it just seemed like they were a lot more nuanced with their, with their Persian food there. Whereas here, I feel like, it, you know, and I thought this before and now I really think it, but like, I feel like the Persian food in America, especially at restaurants is, is very one note. It's a great note. It's a beautiful note. It's a, yeah, it's you know, pretty it's basic a, shit. It's like you get kebab, chicken kebab, uh, like salmon kebab, fucking like beef, and then a couple of like stews and that's pretty much it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of interesting regional food, and all we're having is like you know uh, hamburgers and apple pie. Like if you were going to imagine you went to an American restaurant, that's all they serve. That's what it, that's what it kind of feels like. No, yeah, um, but yeah, if you if you uh, if you needed a little more evidence of uh, how uh, Persian culture uh, has been stymied and gone to shit in America. Look no further than Payam's fridge. Um, again, uh, this is a sad, sad day for Iranians everywhere. You know, we've had a tough enough couple of years as is, Payam, and this just really rounds it out for me. I am so sorry, everybody out there for having to see this. Uh, I, I'm going to make sure my mom doesn't ever listen to this podcast because she'll be even more ashamed than she is of me. Uh, like, not only are you not a doctor or a lawyer, but look at your fucking, look at your fridge, you waste of space. Um, and there is a, there is a, there is a French roast coffee in the door. Not mine. I don't even (laughs) drink coffee. That's, I don't even, I honestly don't know how that got there. Uh, I think somebody brought it and I kept it, but I don't drink, uh, coffee. I also have a lot of stuff in my pantry. No, we don't care about your print. No. We don't care about your pantry. Stop trying to walk yourself out of this hole. Now you're telling me that three of the things in your fridge are bags of pistachios, which don't belong in the fucking fridge. One is a bag of coffee that's not even your bag of coffee. That's just staging? You staging? Is this a props now that you're putting in the fridge? Speaking of props, I almost, almost went out and bought some stuff to put in my fridge because I knew you were going to destroy me and destroy my life. Um, and, but your assistant on the email said like, please, you know, like, don't just leave it as is the point is to see it, how it is in its natural state. Now, yes. okay, I'm sure I can explain to Dan, he'll understand and he'll feel sorry for me because it's been, it's a tough time for everybody. No, no. Um, because of this podcast, I'm not going to be able to walk the streets of Sherman Oaks anymore. People are going to be like, you fucking trash boy. You know, we, ra- <laughs> we rate all the fridges. They all get a number. They get a score. This is the first 1.0 that I've ever given. I don't think we've had below a 6.3. You're, ge- you're getting a 1, Payam. And again, it's for three things. Number one, that there's nothing in there. Number two, 
the fact that the things that are in there either don't belong in there or are not yours and you don't know how they're there. And number three, the potential lost on this fridge. It's like it's like a beautiful child who who wanted to learn everything, but but a child of knowledge, if you will, but never went to school. No. Never never got the education that he deserved. This this fridge is is a longing. This fridge is a longing for something better. You know, in fact, this is a good metaphor for the Iranian expat community in America. We long for better. We know the potential that our people have. We know the duress that they're under. We know that there, there are elements in that country that don't belong there. Right. There are elements that were put there by, by we don't know, by nefarious uh, regimes. Right. Uh, you know, and that is basically, if you want to learn about the history of Iran, look no further than this fridge. If this, I can just say what happened in my fridge, a nefarious, a nefarious group came and took all the edible food and left this. I don't know who it was. I don't know how it happened, but it wasn't me. Uh Let's move on. So Wait, I just realized something else. Something else, which might oh, even oh. take your score down below a one. Oh, no. You're, yes, the doors, both sides of the door. So it's got two doors that open up and give you a yes. hug. One side of the door has a Brita filter in it. And on the mirror image side of the door is a bottle of smart water. So one of the, the rows that has two things in it they're the same thing. It's water on both sides. But if I may, they're very different from each other, right? One is a pre-processed distilled water, very, very successful brand. Jennifer Aniston, Pete Davidson, bunch of people advertise for it. The other one is just uh, is there to make sure I don't waste too much plastic. And I think your audiences are going to appreciate that. They're like, look, this is a simple guy. This is a simple guy. He likes to distill his own water in his sink, and he likes to bring a, a, a brand name water that has been proven to be high quality. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it's been proven to be high quality, but it's a decent water. If you listen to my episode with Martin Reese, a water sommelier, he says smart water is one of the worst waters that you can buy. So no, it but is not a good water. he's also paid by big water. Yeah. He's under big water's money umbrella. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that sucks. What's the best water? Um, the best waters are normally whatever comes from a spring. So any, any type of spring water came from nature. Smart water is basically uh, they take Brita filtered water and just add like some electrolytes to it. So you could take your Brita water and just put a little salt in it and it would be the same as your smart water. So when they say electrolytes, it's just at them adding some type of sodium. Yeah, it's just salt, basically. Sodium, magnesium, whatever. But the spring water naturally has it occurring in it. So they're basically taking filtered water and they're marketing it as, as like good water. But it's just, it's basically just, you basically have two Britas on each side of your fridge. But one of them's costing me more than the other. Yes. Which that in itself is going to bring down your fridge rating to a 0 0.9. Ladies and gentlemen, a Green Eggs and Dan exclusive. We are in the decimals. Unbelievable. You know, if you're asking yourself at home, why wasn't I asked to be a guest on this podcast? How did this guy get on? That is exactly the question you should be asking right now. Because that's the question I'm asking myself right now. 
I mean, I'm going to throw myself at the mercy of your court and say that, uh, let's say, if you were to cook delicious foods for me and bring it over, I'll put it right in the fridge. I'll put it right in the fridge. And it'll be right There's there. There's so much room. There is. You can bring an entire five-course meal and you can still fit more. And as you can see, I still have fruit and vegetables I can put in the little crisper thing. Is that what it's called? Crisper? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. two very empty crispers, everyone. Not that One I needed to tell you. One of them collects water for some reason. <laughs> I don't understand why. Water goes into it. I don't know, even know why. It's the right one, folks. If anybody understands why one of my crispers collects water and where that water is coming from, please let me know. Oh, I my know God. Why. I did not know that there was a crisper that has a constant stream of water going to it. 0.8. You just got taken down another decimal. That's not fair. That's a that's a that's a mechanical issue that has not. I could it, this thing could have been stuffed with food that that could still happen. It's a mechanical issue that you haven't looked into. Zero point eight. You know, it's been a tough couple of weeks for all us performers with 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 everything going on in the business, and today has just made it even even harder because now I realize that at age forty one, I'm a fucking loser. Uh, my mom was right. I should have got married years ago. Um, but, uh, uh, okay. So we're blaming, we're blaming the fridge a little bit on the SAG after strike. I get it. You know, things have, and the writer's guild strike. Okay. Now I feel bad. I'm going to bump you back up to a 0.9. Oh man. It still makes no sense. Cause how can you be less than a one? But I mean, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Look, the problem is this. You're a fucking ex. You're a fucking a food aficionado. You are a, 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 a you are the the chefs of comedians. So for you, this is probably a nightmare. But for an unhoused person, they will look at this and be like, "You got a lot of stuff in your fridge." In fact, you got a fridge, Payam. Good on you. So I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think if a I think if a homeless person saw this, they would say, "You'll be joining us soon. We'll keep our we'll keep a space for you." Jad Khali, they would say. <laughs> <laughs> Did I come join us in this fucking ninety degree heat at night? Um, uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna stop digging your your your. I've I've gone enough on your fridge, uh, but uh, I, hey, man, I commend your bravery for coming onto a fridge podcast with this fridge. Honestly, thank um, you. I didn't even realize it was a fridge podcast. I thought the fridge was just like a fun little part of it that like you kind of show when you're promoting it. I didn't realize it was going to be a full interview over the bridge. Otherwise, I'll be honest, I wouldn't have listened to your assistant. I would have packed this fridge. And then once it was done and you approved of it, I would have returned everything to Ralph's or Erewhon. <laughs> I would have returned it all. Uh, I do shop at Erewhon a lot. Um, what, what do you shop for at Erewhon? There's nothing in here from anywhere. They're cooked stuff that I bring home and eat. Right away. You know what? By the way, you know what Erwan spells backwards? What? Nowhere, which is where you actually shop. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk pistachios because they're basically the only food Payam lives on. Pistachios are believed to have originated in Central Asia, which includes modern-day Iran, Turkey, and Afghanistan. Archaeological evidence suggests that pistachios were consumed by humans as early as 7,000 BC. The pistachio tree was cultivated in ancient Persia around 3000 BC. The tree thrived in the dry and arid climate of the region, making it an important food source for early civilizations. As trade routes expanded, the popularity of pistachios spread to other regions, including the Mediterranean and the Middle East. 
The Greeks and Romans also valued the nut, considering it a symbol of wellness and health. The pistachio finally made its way to the Western world in the first century AD. Roman Emperor Tiberius was a fan of pistachios and demanded regular shipments from the East. In the Middle East, the pistachio was associated with hospitality, and offering them to guests became a gesture of goodwill. It wasn't until the mid-19th century that pistachios made their way to the United States to feed Middle Eastern immigrants initially. Commercial cultivation of pistachios in California began in the early 20th century. The industry experienced steady growth, and today, the United States is the second leading producer of pistachios in the world. Turkey is third. Guess who's first? Say it with me. Iran, number one. Iran, number one. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Enough of the fridge. Uh, let's get to the questions, Pam. You know I'm busting your balls. I can. No, be, I can... it's okay. I'm really freaking depressed. What <laughs> else do you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't care. Well, let's let's get to the questions that I, I ask care. every guest. No, no. Hey, hey. I don't care. It's okay. Hey, it's all right. Now, shame is a po- shame is a very powerful. You know, deterrent. Now, now, you know, you're gonna want to, you're gonna want to go stock that fridge up. I want to go stock that fridge up. You know, what I'd love to do one time, hang out with you and pick your brain a little bit about little like yummy foods that you make that like for you. Because I, I oh, every time you're cooking something, I watch all your stories from beginning to end, and it's so effortless. You remind me of those people that are on TikTok, like the chefs on TikTok, where it's just like everything's really quick. It's like slicing onions. Slicing green pepper. Oh, yeah. Mix something, mix something, and then <laughs> eats it. I was like, man, I'd love to be able to do that with food and just like cook for myself. I don't want to cook every night. I just don't have – I'm just too lazy for that. But I'd like to cook maybe like three times a week, but like little foods that are yummy that like doesn't take too long to prepare and I don't have to clean like 50 dishes once I'm done. Can I tell you something? I'm going to I'm gonna promote a book uh, of a former guest, Noah Galutin, who is Eliza Schlesinger's husband. Mm. He has a book called The Don't Panic Pantry, which is made for beginner cooks who want to start cooking stuff. And the recipes are very easy, very accessible. He tells you exactly how you need to stock your fridge and stuff. Uh, he was a guest on the podcast. He's a, he's a fantastic guy. And I really, really love that book, actually. So I think the Don't Panic Pantry Don't uh, Panic is, Pantry is what you need to get. I mean, um, you didn't see my pantry. My pantry is decent. It has legumes. I, it has chips. It has pretty good quality cereal. Uh, it has uh, – I have – What's pretty good quality cereal? Like what are we talking about? Cereal that doesn't really have a lot of sugar in it or like uh, – what is it? Like doesn't have uh, like high fructose corn syrup. And okay, doesn't okay. have like uh, like seed oils or whatever. Now let me ask you this: since there was no milk in your refrigerator, how are you eating these cereals? I'll be honest; I haven't eaten the cereal. Uh, it's kind of just been sitting there. I got it a while back. I'm like, okay, let me like you know, some because for some reason I hadn't had cereal for a long time, and I was like, I'm feeding for some cereal. Got it. Didn't eat it. Same thing with popcorn. I got a bunch of popcorn there that I never ate. Wait, so the whole popcorn Tabasco thing was a charade? 
No, it wasn't. It was it was true. The problem is when you buy these, like, okay, when you get the or real red and popcorn. I'm being I'm being lied to. I'm being lied to on my own show. No, 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 no. I don't lie, ever, ever don't lie except to the police and the IRS. No, the so look the 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 butter that comes with this popcorn is gross. It, yeah. It's not even real butter or whatever it is. So I had one and I was like, I don't like this butter. Um, so I didn't have any more of that or- Orville Redenbacher. I'm going to have to get regular popcorn that's not – there's no salt in it. There's no butter in it and then put it in myself. And that's that. Yeah. Popcorn is one of the easier foods to make at home. And it has uh, fiber. And it's fiber. And it's fiber. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I like that suddenly the man who has – a fridge full of nothing is concerned about health and wellness and all that stuff. I, I truly, I really am. Look, I take vitamin B12 every day. Okay. <laughs> is that instead of eating foods in your home, you just take instead that of vitamin? Eating anything. Yeah. I only <laughs> eat vitamins. I'm very sick. No, I, <laughs> no, my doctor recommended because he said your B12 level was like a little low. He's like, it's not low to be worried about, but he's like, I just, I think it's my, it's to your benefit to like supplement it. Yeah, um, and some people are naturally low on B twelve. Some people are naturally low on vitamin D. I'm also I'm low on both. Yeah, it's not a surprise to me. I mean, but, no, vitamin D is a, is a is a sun thing. It's a, it's not a food thing. You're malnourished no. in this home, okay? I no, I had breakfast tacos for breakfast. I'm doing fine, okay. folks. If you're out there worried about me, I'm doing fine. Okay. Wait, you if ordered in the breakfast tacos? I got them from Home State. Okay, got it. Did you order them in or did you go there? I picked it up. You picked it up. Okay. Yeah. Again, one of the easiest things in the world to make, a breakfast taco. We should start with that. That's what you should start with. Get some corn tortillas. You can put them in the fridge. Get some eggs. That's literally all you need. Get a fun cheese. You're done. You What's have the hot sauce. To you? Well, for, for a breakfast taco, I think, uh, you know, uh, you can use uh, any type of shredded mozzarella you could use a shredded american cheese you could use they have like the taco cheeses the taco cheese mix at your route uh, okay they won't have a taco cheese mix at erwan for sure but it'll be 630 dollars yes it'll be oh, this is made this is art, artisanal gruyere taco mix <laughs> just like <laughs> just like the mexicans in switzerland in the mountains of the alps like to eat wow that's uh, I mean, everyone, it should be illegal to price gouge in that way to like, I don't know, I don't, it's price gouge, I don't know, maybe that's not price gouging because I think price gouging is like the same product, but like they just have products that you're like, there is no way, there is no way this bottle of water should be $7. Yeah. I Makes mean, no fucking sense. I think we've realized the issue here. What happens is you go to shop at Erewhon, you get your cart, you just go up and down the aisles and you turn into your dad and you're like, this is way too expensive. And then you leave with nothing. And then your fridge just has pistachios, pickles, and someone else, someone's coffee. Someone's bag of coffee. Because people bring bags of coffee, apparently, to people's homes now. I don't know how that got there. That, to me, that's the biggest mystery that's going to leave us in this podcast, is how the bag of coffee got I there. I know how it got there. Somebody must have brought it. I just don't remember who. So that tells me that it's been there for a long time. But who's bringing a bag of coffee to, to someone's house? Very friendly coffee makers. I mean, they're just walking around Sherman Oaks, coming by, dropping off. It was the pandemic. 
They were trying to help people stay awake. No, I don't know. I, I swear, this, I, I honestly don't know whose coffee that is. It could, it could, somebody brought it, left it here, and then I took it from my counter a long time ago and put it in the fridge. Amazing. And that's and now it's been there. Amazing. It's been there. Oh my god! I think we need to get off the fridge because I, I I almost want to take another point one off. I'm uh, so I think let's just move Wait, on. Wait, why? Because, because the, this the coffee story is just absolute insanity to me. But if I had thrown that coffee away, that would have been a waste of coffee. That but you're not going to have the coffee away. anyway. But I didn't throw it away. Someone else can have it. I will. You could literally come by and I will gift wrap that coffee for you, my man, and give it to you or okay. anybody. Anybody Dude. listening to this, if you want my coffee, please let me know. I'll mail it to you. I'm not going to waste. In, 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 a, in a world like this, you know, I, I won't waste. Write DM Payam that you want to get. What's your Instagram again? It's at pbani, P-B-A-N-I. Send me a message. Just You don't even need to say anything. Just say, give me the coffee. Leave your address. I'll send it with a picture of me smiling. <laughs> a signed picture of me smiling. Amazing. Uh, and then his fridge will be even more empty than it already is. Because that's what we need. We need to cl- we need to clear up space. That's what we need in that fridge. Okay, I feel I feel like I I haven't ripped on someone this hard on the podcast in a long time. I'm starting to feel bad. In a long time, I thought yeah. maybe this was the first time you ripped someone this hard. I mean, I've ripped people hard. Mostly, it's just the comedians because I know that, that they can take it. But um, this is uh, I mean, this is this was an epic uh, ripping. This was a pretty epic takedown. You know, and my family who's going to listen to this, they're going to, you know. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt, but they're also going to be like, yeah, our, our son is a, a f- bum. You know, it's, I think that's what hurts the most, that my, my parents are going to look down on me even more when they see what's popping with my fridge. Well, let's hope that your answers to the questions that I ask everyone uh, at the end of the podcast are going to be a little more uplifting than the fridge. Starting with, okay. what is your earliest food memory? My earliest food memory is choking on a, a fish bone. Not uplifting. Not uplifting. No, it's not. It's uh, back in the days in Iran. If you ate a tan- can of tuna, sometimes there was bones in it. No way. Yeah, um, they weren't like properly fillet. I don't think they fillet. They used like what do they do here? They use like a machine to fillet it or whatever. Yeah, right? there yeah. they just chopped it up by hand and threw it in a can. But uh, all I remember is I ate it. Like my mom prepared it out of the can. I ate it and I started going, <clears throat> and then my mom was like, "What the fuck?" And then. I guess I swallowed the bone, but it had already sort of like irritated my throat. So I remember coughing and like just gagging and stuff like that. And I was like, I think like five years old. Jeez. Yeah. And uh, that's like, yeah, that's like my earliest memory of like food and something. um, Wow. Okay. This is all starting to make sense. You associate food with With choking choking and almost dying. So you're like, keep that stuff away from me. I do not want it in my fridge. No, no bones in my fridge. I got enough bones. You go to death row. You're on death row now, okay? Mm. What is your death row meal? So let's figure out a good reason for you to be on death row. Um, I mean, according to you, I'm uh, because of my fridge. Yeah, I don't think we need to think that far. Um, you know, the anyone who is in the prison system listens to this and says, "I think we've, I think we have enough evidence." And now you are on death row. Uh, uh, for fuck. And what is your death row meal going to be? It's only one thing, right? Uh, it, it can be, it, it can be a, a nice drawn out meal if you want. But yeah, let's, say, let's start with one. Okay, if it's my last meal, then how about this? I want 
a skewer of beef filet mignon kebab. We call it filet mignon, but it's really more like skirt steak, right? Like, like bag is not really filet mignon, is it? Would you say? No, I think it's top loin is what it actually okay. is. Okay. It, it is. It is not skirt. I don't think it's skirt steak. And it's definitely it's like, not filet. No, it's not filet. It's like a sirloin type thing. Okay. So yeah. I would get a uh, one strip of nice, uh, well-cooked uh, sirloin uh, kebab. Yeah, kebab bag. Yes. Rice. Also, a side order of spaghetti. And then also salad shirazi, which is my favorite salad. Salad, and it's literally for your listeners: it's just onions, tomatoes, cucumbers, in the, in like a sort of like a lemon olive oil dressing. Although in Iran they, they use uh, uh, grapefruit, not grapefruit. What is it? Uh, grape juice, like. Uh, oh, interesting. But like it's what do you call grapes that aren't? Um, they're like. Yeah. They're not ready. Yet. They're like small. They're still small. They Isn't it called like huru or something? Huru, yes, huru. Yes. Huru. Yes. Huru. Yeah, they're like, like they're, un, they're unripe grapes yeah. that are delicious, actually. They, we use them in our stews as well to add a sourness. But there is a – I didn't know that there was a juice out of them that you can – that's pretty cool, actually. I think traditionally, salachirazi is made with – the dressing is made with that, but like – most of the time in my life, I've had it with like lemon or like lime. Sort of. Yeah. That would the be fun, the meal. The fun thing about salad shirazi is that all the ingredients, like you said, the cucumber, the tomato, the onions, are chopped up in like very small cubes. And everything is like kind of the same size. So it's uh, you, you can't have a bad bite. Everything is going to have everything in it. Exactly. It's delicious. Oh, and parsley too. Should have parsley. And parsley. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Best high-end meal you've ever had. High-end meal? Yeah. Oh, man, that's hard. I've been lucky to have a lot of great meals. Um, man, that's... Uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, okay. I would say... You know, I gave you. I gave you these questions before. Yeah. No, I, I remember. I don't, know uh, if you're, I don't know if you're acting right now to pull no, it out I of just, your head. No, it's... Okay, look. So here's the thing. The best high-end meal I think I've ever had was at uh, – it's in New York, Scarpetta. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, Scarpetta, Scarpetta is – It's Scarpetta. It's a pasta place um, uh, started by – I forget the name of the chef. But, yes, they were very, very famous for their tomato pasta. They, they have this simple-ass pasta, just yeah. like simple-ass pasta. That was probably maybe the best – just like spaghetti I've ever had. And I love spaghetti. And everything was good. Like they had this this sort of like uh, sort of a like cool sort of it was like a chilled shrimp type thing that it was like an appetizer that was delicious. And then um there was uh we had a like a sirloin sirloin steak on the side that was just like all it had on it was a little bit of salt and it was just perfect. It's like it was one of the only times I was like, this meat needs zero seasoning, needs nothing. The salt yeah. was just perfect. Um, and then um, coupled with a great Pinot that I'd never heard of that I don't even remember the name, but it was like just like silk. Uh, it was just – and then again, the ambiance. I mean I love places in New York. There's so many great places in New York. But this one just for some reason stuck out to me because anytime I think about the best pasta I've had, yeah. it's – and like I think pasta is probably overall 
my favorite food. I can always eat it. Scott Conant—that's uh, the chef that I was thinking of. Scott oh, Conant okay. is the chef Scarpetta. Yeah, he's very famous for his pasta pomodoro, which is I think because he hand makes the spaghetti and then he infuses a little bit of butter. Or he doesn't put basil. He steeps the basil in the tomato sauce like a tea, and then uh, he incorporates a little bit of butter in it while he's he's mixing it with the pasta. And uh, yeah, he got like written up in the New York Times for that for a pasta pomodoro, which is crazy because it's like a very you know, it's a very simple dish. So fucking good. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the vibes were great. Like they had like a really, it was just like a nice play. It looks like a nice New York restaurant. Like yeah. half the side is like a brick wall. And like, I don't know. I love that New Yorky restaurant vibe. Yeah. It's a classy joint. Um, classy joint. What is the best low end meal you've ever had? In and out. In and out. Okay. Uh, I think one. it's like the thing that's like cheap that, is always delicious. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's I, I'm sure I've had really great low end meals like sporadically, but the one that consistently is always delicious and always hits the spot is In and Out. I really think it's like the best, without a doubt, the best fast food for burger like in the country. Yeah, I can. I absolutely agree. Uh, do you have a favorite drunk food? Favorite drunk food. I would like, like snack or food, like food, food, actually snack. If you have that on on the tip of your tongue, what's the snack? Chips, potato chips. Yeah. What brand? I love like plain Lay's. I love the salt and vinegar Lay's. Mm. Uh, I like the plain ruffles because I like the ridges. Uh, ruffles have ridges. Commercial. Yes. Oh, you remember that? Okay. Yeah. I feel like that. You don't see ruffles have. It was the one who was like, r- 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 ruffles have r- r- ridges. Remember that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know who they were making fun of, but it, um, uh, that was, that, it was a different time. It was, it a, was different a different time. time. Yeah, it was a different time. Uh, also, pizza. Pizza is like such a great drunk food. Yeah, it just such a has everything you need in a little in a in a decent sized bite. By the way, as a chip aficionado, um, I'm saying you are the aficionado, and I'd like <laughs> to. I'd like to open your eyes to something. The Trader Joe's salt and pepper potato chips have gone to number one on my list of best potato chips ever. Really? Ever? Really? Ever. The Trader Joe's brand salt and pepper should be made illegal. Because they're so good or because they make you sick, potentially? No. Well, for both. They're so good that you're going to eat so much that, you know, it's not going to be good for you. But they are so good. Uh, what and it's Trader Joe's brand. It's Trader Joe's brand. In fact, whenever I have them in my house, like I'll have them for a party or whatever, I have to throw the bag away when we're done. I, I waste food. I, I that's the only food I will waste is Trader Joe's potato because if they are in my house, they will be consumed. I have no, I have no power against them. Uh, it's my kryptonite. It is to die for. This is not a sponsorship. I just realized I'm not being sponsored by them. You know what? Fuck Trader Joe's. Their potato chips are awful, the, especially the salt and pepper one. Until they pay for it, I'm not giving them an ad. And if they, okay, what if they said, hey, look, we'd love to pay you money to mm-hmm. promote it, but you also got to get back on your show and say everything you said about us was wrong and you're sorry and you have to beg forgiveness. Oh, and yeah. Then- I, I, will do a, I will do a hostage letter. I will hold, I will show the newspaper so they see that it's today and I will say... You know, uh, I was wrong. 
uh, I was under the influence of money and capitalism when I said that Trader Joe's was not good. And I just want to say that I take it all back. Nice. Well, congratulations, my brother. I actually work for Trader Joe's. We're sending you 600 pounds of chips tomorrow. Wait, you work for Trader Joe's and that's what your fridge looks like? (laughs) Yeah. um, This has all been a ruse. This has all been a setup to get to the point to get you to admit about your chips. And you think, of course, that's not my fridge. That's my my neighbor's fridge. Oh, that makes so much sense. That's why you didn't know where the coffee was from. That this all makes sense now. Exactly. No, it's mine, unfortunately. Also, I think my neighbor's a hoarder. I'm starting to like. I walked by her place the other day and like, you know, like you walk by someone's place, the doors open, you're not trying to look, but you can't help but look a little bit just to see what their unit looks like compared to yours. Yeah. And it was yeah. just stacks and stacks and stacks of shoes in her living room. Oof. And when I say stacks and stacks of shoes, I mean like 10 stacks of shoes in her wow. living room. Wow. And I almost want to say, I'm sorry, what, what's that about? I didn't because I, you know, I don't know. They might really be stacked with cash. You never know. She might be the, the, the shoes. Why yeah, not put in the, it in the money in your bank? Oh wait, it's in the, the shoe boxes or just shoes stacked she, on top. She had these like. It was just like a stack of actual shoes or the boxes. Well, the, 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 no, it wasn't the boxes. It was a stack of shoes that were in this like shoe, this huge shoe rack. Like when I say like, it looked like a custom shoe rack. Like some she made it oh, or okay, like, okay. something. But it was okay. like. Seven feet tall, the the the, the shoe rack. I um, thought there was like a mound of shoes, like Holocaust style. Just no, like, that would have been awful. <laughs> that would have been awful. And it turns out that like she's actually was one of the one of the the, the guards in Auschwitz. She just stayed very young. Uh, I feel bad, but no, I walked by the other day and I was like, "This is true. you know, it's, it's weird." Like when you have neighbors that like never talk to you. Like this is a neighbor that never talks to me. Like I always like smile at her. And, like, just try to be friendly because you live next door and, like, you just want to be friendly. But yes. she never smiles back. Now I'm like, oh, I know why. She's ashamed that she has too many fucking shoes. Yeah, yeah. You should She's make her feel okay about it so that she can open up with you. No, I'm gonna, next time I'm going to tell her, hey, listen, I saw you inside your in – your, I'm not a creep, but I looked inside your apartment. I saw the shoes. That's okay. You should see my fridge. We all are dealing with things. We all are <laughs> working like, with things. I might have some extra storage for some shoes. Yeah, put them in my fridge next to the pistachios. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite hangover cure hangover cure uh uh the weed without a doubt oh yeah weed without that a is doubt. that is technically the best uh hangover cure it is it's there's really nothing better than it anytime you have a gross feeling in your stomach or in your body or in your head it weed to me is like the the best medicine for that yeah, um, it's like it's it's funny because I actually I don't smoke weed, but I have weed in my house for those moments. I use it like like uh, you know uh, Maalox. Like I need it. Uh, <laughs> I okay. have it in in case like I feel very nauseous or whatever. I'll have my weed. It's like in my. It should be in my medicine cabinet. Like it's literally the only time I use it. So if for you, it's purely medicinal, and you're smoking it, or you're vaping it, or you're taking edibles. No, old school, baby. In a in a in a in a bowl, old love school, it. love it. Yeah, nice and easy. Yeah, old, now this newfangled vaping, I don't need that. I, I I will smoke my weed as God intended with a yeah. flame. The Lord gave flame and the Lord gave weed, and yes. he gets insulted when people don't put those together. Yeah, it was uh, it was called the burning bush, not the vaping bush. Right. Okay. Exactly. If first page on the Bible, <laughs> the Queen George version. 
It's like thou shall puff that greenery and get on the scenery. Um, no, uh, but you know what's another thing I, I need if I'm hungover? Weed mm. and and light tea. Like when I say light tea, meaning like you know it, it's lightly it's, steeped. Yes, yes. Um, one thing I like to do is I like that's to very per- that's very Persian of you. Yes, that sounds like I love a very Pers- like a Persian hangover cure. You don't mean you got to create the, an, uh, a version of the Hangover franchise called Persian Hangover. And it's yeah. just us two guys waking up being hungover. We, didn't, we still remember all of last night. Nothing exciting is happening. It's just us discussing how we're hangover. Smoke some weed, drink the tea. Film's over. It's only 90 minutes. We should come up with that and then release it. And then the studios are going to be like, okay, we have to end this writer's strike. If this is the content that is being put out, like this strike has to end now. And we will end the strike. And our job is done, my friend. <laughs> and our job is done. And everyone's happy. Um, but who's no. Your, who's your favorite celebrity food personality? Who's my favorite celebrity food personality? This could okay. be a chef. It could be a TV host. It could be, you know. Um, that dude, Pierre White, is that what his name is? Marco Pierre White? Yes. That dude is so fucking funny and weird and intense. And what I imagine, like, someone, like, who's, like, a food artist would be. Like, just, like, intense. The way he talks about, you know what it is? I love listening to people talk about something that they're passionate about or talk about something that they really know. And when I hear, like, a chef like him talk about food, yeah. Like, I just look at his food as food, but the way he talks about it as if it's this, like, crazy, intricate, exquisite thing is really cool to me. And he kind of comes off like a loony, and it's just funny. I've watched some of his videos, and, like, like sure, he's, like, he seems to be very mean to people he works with, but, like, yeah. that seems to be kind of the industry because it's, like, I guess high pressure, intense, you, you know, you're dealing with, like, high-end clientele who really care and will go and like give bad reviews or whatever so i guess the stakes are kind of high but he's someone that i find very interesting but i think the the one that like i would love to hang out would be anthony bourdain he just seems yeah. like such a cool chill wise uh soul um and he liked weed and 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 uh i remember i saw an interview with him where we were like you know what's your what's your idea of the best hangover cure and one of the things he said was a joint too he even says ice cold coca-cola and i was like yeah yes and then totally. he said spicy szechuan food spicy food he said is excellent for a hangover 100 um, but That's- anthony Bourdain is the one i want to hang with the other one's the one i'm intrigued by because he's so He's such a, like, the idea of what you think, like, a crazy hothead artist chef would be. But Anthony Bourdain is just, like, the kind of guy I want to sit there and have a conversation and, like, pick his brain. You know, no one's ever mentioned Marco Pierre White. I think that's actually a very, very cool, deep-cut celebrity chef to mention. Sounds Um, like you're going to add a few points on that. I'm I'm debating. Uh, Although... Truth be told, uh, this part of the podcast has nothing to do with the fridge. I feel bad being influenced by it. But Marco Pierre White, one of the, like, fathers of British cuisine, uh, he had, like, some of the most high-end restaurants in England. And, in fact, one of the one of the chefs under him was Gordon Ramsay. And wow. Gordon I wonder Ramsay. if he learned that behavior 100. directly from 
100% because he was notoriously a hothead, like, asshole chef to, like, his staff. And, uh, yeah, 100%, that's where Gordon Ramsay got it from. In fact, there's footage on the internet of Gordon Ramsay in the background of Marco Pierre White's kitchen. He had a show, and he's, like, crying. And Gordon Ramsay is, like, a 17-year-old in the background cooking. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. Um, That's another thing. See, that's what I love about you, bro. Like, like you're just, like, you know so much about food. I told you, every time I always watch your stories, because it's like, I'm like, you're not, like, a guy just making food. I'm like, in another world, if you didn't do comedy and, like, dedicate your life to comedy and acting, you would have been, like, a crazy restaurateur, like, chef slash restaurant owner, entrepreneur. Feel free to add a couple of more to the fridge, too. As I say, you know, no, I see. I see what you're doing now. And handsome. I see. What you're do- keep okay. Their hands off you. Anywhere you go, people should be smooching you. We're back, back to 1.0. The fridge okay. gets a 1.0. We're back up. <laughs> That's nice. But <clears throat> no, but I mean it like, again, like here, you're talking about food. Like you love food. I love hearing people talk about something that they're passionate about. It's so cool because it's something yeah. I don't know anything about. But when you hear someone talk about who knows about it, it's just like, I don't know, makes me want to go out. To Ralph's, buy some groceries, come out here and make breakfast tacos. All because of you, wow. my man. Wow. That's that's high praise. Uh, I don't think I'm going to put you over the 1.0, but, you know, just consider yourself lucky that you got to the 1.0. No, I was being genuine. You know what? Oh. Forget, forget points. Forget fridges. This is two friends now. A friend telling a friend how he feels. Oh, my God. 1.1. That's it. It worked. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Before you know, I'll be at two. <laughs> What's the highest you ever gave? Please don't tell me a 10. No, I think Ralph Macchio's got the highest. I think it's a 9.3. He did. He did. What, what, what did his have that mine did it? Other than uh, stuff? stuff. Food. Okay. It had food. So, was, so at this point, you don't really care what's in the fridge as long as something's in the fridge that's not like rotting in a corner or something, right? It's the level of stockedness. It's also the, the ingredients that are in there. Uh, it's the way that everything's organized. It's a, it's a, it's a very... Did you see like how a, clean mine was? Did you see how clean it was? That's what made it more sad, though. Oh, God. Really? I, might, I might ding a point now. Because of the aspirationalness of your fridge. That's what makes it so sad. It's a perfect, it's a perfect home for food. And you're just not, you're not putting the food, giving the no, food a home. I get it. But to me, a fridge should be like your genitals. Always clean. Always mm. clean. No, not me. I oh, come on. And my genitals just like with a lot of fermented stuff. Uh, I want it dirty. I want you're it used. That. I want it used and abused, baby. You're saying that, but everybody in the industry, when your name comes up, first thing they say, other than this guy's so funny and talented, is like this guy's crotch is as clean as a whistle. So I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that because. But I'm going to say, I, people need to know. I think because of the strike, we're not supposed to self promote like that. But yes, mm-hmm. it's true. Thank you for no saying problem. it. I can't say it. I can't do the self promotion, but you can promote me. No, okay. um, and uh, you know, while we're here, I will say, everyone—not even just in the industry, but like all over—anyone who's ever met you, anyone who's watched your videos, friends that I've said you got to watch um, Payam's videos, will say that guy looks like someone who has very clean genitals. And I say, thank you so he much. Does. Thank he you. Does. A lot of people tell me I look like Lin Manuel Miranda, and he's also known to. His just his his nuts are spick and span, as they mm. say. Uh, yeah. 
But yeah. you, are you, you might be the first person who didn't, doesn't see that, huh? Because so many people are like, oh, you sound like Lin-Manuel Miranda and you kind of look like him. And I was just like, mm. No, I definitely see it. My yeah. mm was, was like, oh, my God, how haven't I not thought about that? Uh, okay. Well, forget yeah. I told you. Yeah. Okay. Forget uh, forgot, consider it forgotten. What oh, is man. your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. Uh, you have one food you're going to eat for the rest of your life and you're never going to get tired of it. Fuck. On a desert island, huh? Yeah. I would have to choose. I go down to it again. Is uh, Can I have two? It's only one thing. Can I have like, can I add another thing to it? Tell me what you're thinking and I'll tell you if it's allowed. Spaghetti Pomodoro. Salad Shirazi. Oh, okay. I'd say those two don't go together. And I understand that. They're not meant yeah. to go together. But if I'm in that situation, I want best of both worlds. Yeah. One, that's the thing that's easy to eat. Yeah. That's not going to just rot. And another thing that's easy to eat, fairly easy to make, and is, is refreshing. I like and it. And water, of course. No, you what? can't. You can only get those two things. You will be dead in five days. Because Probably less. Three days. Uh, there's the liquid in the salad shirazi might uh, keep you going. For yeah, a maybe a little bit. And I can drink some of my pee, but the problem is you can only drink your pee to a certain extent. If you drink your pee that's coming from the pee you've already drank, that you can't drink, apparently. Is the- <laughs> I heard pee is only drinkable once. I'll give you an example. I'm drinking pee all day. I don't that think I need okay. the... I don't think the I need the... I- Huh? Right. I, no, I get that. I don't know that, you know, this is a food podcast. A lot of people are tuning in while they're eating. I don't know that we need to go down the details of the first f- first uh, distillation of the pee versus the second distillation. You're right. You're right. And I'm triple distilled. All eating and stuff. But don't forget what happens when you eat. You poo and you pee. Okay. So that's very close to eating. You know? I want to apologize to my listeners. We are almost done here. I promise. Um, Pam. Folks, we all poo. What food can't you stand eating? Anchovies. Really? Yeah. Wait, okay, I'm going to put a finer point on this because I am an anchovy uh, evangelist and I like to spread the word of anchovy. Is it actual anchovies in their solid form on top of a dish or in a salad? Or is it the anchovies cooked down where it's like you actually can't really taste it? For me, very rarely have I had anchovy in something and I couldn't taste it. To me, the idea of, to me, a good Caesar salad is one where I can't taste the anchovies. Because to me, it's just a very strong flavor. Like, I don't love caviar. It doesn't like, I don't, I kind of don't get why people love it so much. But you know what? It's also light enough where I'm like, this is fine. It's not going to, you know, if you put it on top of a little something, like it changes the flavor a little bit, but. It's mild, but anchovy is a very strong taste. And for someone that's not super into fish, anchovy to me is like almost the epitome of something fishy tasting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you don't like anchovies and you don't like caviar. I think we're going back to 0.9. Uh, wait, wait a minute. A lot of people don't like caviar. No, no, I didn't say I don't like it, but I kind of don't get it. I don't get why it's such a big deal. Like why... This much of it costs like $90. That I agree with you. Back to 1.0. It's true. I do think that the cost of caviar doesn't quite make sense for the amount of enjoyment you get out of it, which is why I always say, and I truly believe this, um, I prefer salmon egg caviars 
which is a lot cheaper than like beluga or sturgeon. By the way, you, this is a this is a very Persian thing that you're yes. that this, you're not a fan of. I mean, the, the best the, caviar comes from the Caspian Sea. Is the is the Persian sturgeon from our yeah, sturgeon, as they say? Here's the thing with me, um, and and and. I'm embarrassed even talking to you about this because you like you were a very you were like a world experience gourmet foodie. Me, I don't have I, my my uh, my palate is not very distinguished. I'm I, it's it's sort of uh, I have a ghetto palate, so to speak. Like nice. if you give me what is that shit like pate? I'm like eh. If you give me what is the thing that they shove food down the goose's throat and then they yeah like those kind of things they're too like or like brains heart like those kind of things are too strong of flavors from my from my unsophisticated taste you've come a Um, long way from iran because iran iranian foods there's a lot of foods that have a lot of very organs play a big role kalipache uh, um, i can't even be in the same house as kalipache that's being cooked really if the folks want to know what kalipache is literally it's like a very, very thick, fatty stew of organs, um, and then I guess like feet too. Or yeah, something. it's it's calais and pas, so it's it's a lamb head and lamb feet, um, and you get the collagen from the feet, and then the head has the tongue, the brains, the this and the that. And do, it's like do you a, like that? I love it. I'm obsessed. It's probably one of my favorite foods. It's a very like Persian truck driver food. Definitely, it's like it's, it's like super hearty. Um, but it is very organ heavy, and um, if you and very high in cholesterol or something apparently, high in cholesterol, like very good for collagen. It's funny. I just broke my ankle, and every like matriarch in my family was like, "Bite kalipache before it." Like you have to eat kalipache. And like, <laughs> like Bomer, to, so you speak you speak Farsi fluently? Not or, as like, well as you, you do. Enough. Not as well as you do, but like good enough. Your accent is pretty fucking good. When I watch your videos, I don't need to look at the subtitles, which. Your videos are basically my Rosetta Stone these days for Farsi. I mean, they're so they're so good. They they help me test out my Farsi. You don't have to speak Farsi to appreciate uh, Payam's videos, but he nails Persian caricatures. Just, I mean, it's like a chef's kiss. They're so perfect. It's so great, and they all go viral, um, especially within the Persian community. But like, I feel like uh, if you want. If you started dating a Persian person and you want to get them and get their culture, <laughs> you need to watch these videos. Thank They're you. I great. appreciate you. I appreciate you. I hear I hear a few points going up. Oh, I, feel, I hear a few points going up. I I'd love to be back on this show, like sometime, in, like in the next six months or something, and so mm-hmm. I can prove to you that everyone can change. I'm, I can't wait to show you my new fridge and see tears come down your eyes when you're like, "My God, this is." And then you'll be like, this is the greatest fridge I've ever seen. And I'm we'll down for that. I'm, I'm, I'm totally down for that, uh, you know, a revisit. We yeah. can do a revisit for sure. Just give me another um, chance, please. I'll give you another chance. Um, in the meantime, we're up to our last question, which is my Ooh. favorite question, which is uh, what, what is or what are your restaurant pet peeves? Um, I, I, I don't like making a reservation and then still waiting 20 minutes for the table. Uh, good one. I don't I, think anyone's ever said that one. That's a very good one. It's been happening to me a lot recently. I feel like going to restaurants in L.A. post-pandemic, something changed. Like the efficiency went down. 
Um, and I'm, a lot of my favorite restaurants that I like to go to are like the higher end restaurants, quote unquote, let's say mm-hmm. Cat Steak in L.A., Lavo, um, Tocomadera, stuff like that. Places that to me, like I love a place that's very vibey and with good food. Yeah. Usually in L.A., if a place is really vibey, the food is never as good as the vibe. But like those places, I like the food. Yeah. Like, some of them, some these- of the, the ones you named actually uh, are pretty good at kind of combining the two. Um, I'll also put uh, what's that Greek place in Beverly Hills? Uh, Avia, Avila, Ava? Yeah, Avra, Avra. Avra. Avra's excellent that's, too. That's um, another one. That there was, the vibe is good. The, good. the food is good. Very expensive, but like that's it's going to be expensive at these vibey places. Anyway, so um, after, yeah, you were saying something happened after COVID. And something happened, and uh, it's harder to make reservations in places. There's very few, very few nice restaurants you can make a reservation day of. Most of them you've got to at least make it the night before. A place like, I'm sure you've been to Mother Wolf, where it's yeah. like you have to make a reservation exactly a week before or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Evan Funk's other restaurant, the new one that I heard is like the best restaurant in, in L.A. right now. That's what people say. You know how people yeah, yeah, yeah. love to make statements like that. And that place, another one that's really hard to make reservations. But anyway, you make the reservation. Let's say my reservation is 8.30. I get there at 8.25. I don't sit to like 8.45, 8.50. Like, oh, if you can stand by the bar. So it's kind of like that is the one thing. That one thing I get. I, I, I try to be very patient in restaurants. I think it's such a hard business. I never want to give shit to the waiter. I never want to give shit to the cook. Like, it's hard. Everyone's doing the best they can. If there's a mistake, of course, it's a mistake. They're human beings. But that little thing gets on my nerves. That's um, a good one. That's a very good one. It's, I don't know, maybe I'm not like cool enough. Maybe like these kind of places, it's like they treat you based on like whatever they think your status is. I don't know. But like, it's just weird where it's like, what was my reservation? Like, kind of what was almost like the point of the reservation for that time? Just give a time yeah. range at that point because it's like, it's 8.50 and I'm still not at my table. Well, look, um, if there's anything that I've gleaned from this episode it's that you are cool enough and you are good enough and you deserve to be seated when you make that reservation pam i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it now loud for all the mother wolf staff that are listening right now i know you're there i know you're there evan i know you're listening to this let this guy seat this guy when is when he's got his reservation it's not that hard to ask the guy's the guy has no food at home so he gets to restaurants and he's starving and now you're going to make him wait a half hour? I mean, this this restaurant pet peeve makes all the sense in the world considering what you've got at home. Your restaurants to you are not just enjoyment. They're not just uh, a meal. It's sustenance. I need them to live. I need this restaurant to serve me. Otherwise, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm coming in shaking like this. I'm coming in like one of those people who got the COVID shots, you know? Um, <laughs> So I just need, yeah. So folks, if you if you own a restaurant and I come in, please please serve me as soon and seat me as soon as you can. Know that um, I'm struggling at that point. My blood pressure is low. Uh, I need some type of protein and some type of carbohydrate, also an alcoholic beverage. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Pam, such a delight. This was, I, do. I appreciate this was you. So much fun. Tell all the people where they can find you. 
you can find me on my Instagram. Please follow me at pbanny, P- at P-B-A-N-I. Uh, I post videos and stuff, and uh, hopefully you enjoy them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to uh, our strike being over so we can all do more uh, shows and content that you could see us in. So. Until then, though, you can see our short uh, hung, hungover, hangover, mm-hmm. de hangover, de hangover, um, which is about two Persian guys hungover and just having tea and uh, weed. That's what doing. Yeah, having tea and weed. <laughs> and, Thank you, uh, brother. Drama. Awesome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.